Hey everyone, this is Brad Hughes, school principal and chief encouragement officer from Ontario, Canada. And I've got some good news for you. You found the Good News Brad News podcast, amplifying stories of heart-led educators moving from positive intention to action. Great people like you, improving kids' lives through service, connection, and finding the fun. So glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello, fellow travelers on Spaceship Earth. Welcome back, and thanks for setting your coordinates to the Good News, Brad News podcast. I am your host, Brad Hughes, and as you settle in and get comfortable, please perform final checks of your equipment and lower your reflective visors because we're preparing for the launch of episode 29, featuring an educator who's truly out of this world. My guest today is Tim Stevenson, a husband and father, high school teacher, author, blogger, podcaster, and TEDx presenter from Langley, British Columbia, Canada. Tim, like late American educator and astronaut Krista McAuliffe, believes that space is for everybody. He's made a career out of teaching science, notably through an astronomy course that he created. And as you'll hear, Tim made a commitment early on to interact with his students and curriculum in uniquely connective ways, with a stance of curiosity, excitement, and determination to uncover his students' potential. Now, Tim has thrived on being an educator that brings something just a little bit different to his students in school community. His mission? To surprise and delight students with learning opportunities whose impact will last far into the future. And over the years, Tim's students have learned to expect the unexpected. He was thrilled when a group of his students nominated him for the Prime Minister's Award for Teaching Excellence, which he received in 2018. Tim is also the creator of the Science 360 podcast on the Teach Better Podcast Network and the author of Beyond the Classroom, a book that is both a long-form manifesto of Tim's purpose as a teacher and also a love letter to the promise and potential of a life in education. I spoke with Tim about his why as an educator and how he continues to leverage his passions for science, space, and connection for some very down-to-earth reasons. I know you'll enjoy getting to know Tim today, and after hearing his story, you'll be eager to connect with him too. Mission Control is confirming that all systems are go. So, here's my interview with Tim Stevenson today on the Good News, Brad News Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back once again to the Good News, Brad News Podcast. I'm delighted to be speaking with an award-winning educator, podcaster, author, course designer, and environmental advocate. His name is Tim Stevenson from Langley, British Columbia, Canada. Welcome, Tim, to the Good News, Brad News podcast. Thank you very much, Brad. I really appreciate being here. It's going to be a lot of of fun. 
It's a pleasure to connect. And Tim, I always like to ask guests to start out by telling us about your different roles, your personal, professional, community roles. What are some of those different facets that go into making Tim Stevenson the person that he is? The first facet I'd highlight is I'm a dad of four kids. Now they're all adults. My oldest son, Josh, is a chiropractor. So he's practicing here in Langley. And then I've got a son who's a realtor and another son who's a mechanical engineer and a daughter who's running a personal training business, successfully uh, running it online all over North America. So, you know, really raising them is the best teacher education uh, I've ever received. Hmm. So that's the first facet. Of course, my lovely wife, Cheryl, who's also a personal trainer who keeps me in shape. I, I, can't, uh, I can't sit in the couch very long with, uh, with a wife who's a personal <laughs> trainer. And uh, so we get out a lot in the summer and, and in the winter, snowshoeing and hiking, kayaking, and always enjoying the, the nature here in British Columbia. But then my professional life, I'm a science teacher, particularly astronomy. And I teach at Walnut Grove Secondary School in Langley. It's the biggest uh, school in the district. I think it's the second or third largest school in the province. So we're up over 2,000 students. I go in every day and I, I just do my best to bring these kids a, an education that's meaningful and will matter to their futures. And We'll draw them in and, and give them a, a memorable experience. Tim, I'd love to dig in with you to your book, Beyond the Classroom. I see it both as an expanded manifesto of your mm-hmm. own purpose as a teacher, but also a love letter to the promise and potential of life and education. Can you tell me more about your journey to becoming the author of Beyond the Classroom? I have to probably give credit to my mom, first of all, because she was always a doer. Uh, There was always that philosophy that um, if I have an idea, I'm going to just get it done. Sometimes you want to rely on others to help, and that's always a good thing. But not every time will you get that help. And so you just put your head down and and you do it. Way back in the 90s, uh, my my mom actually, of all things, sent me these incredible self-help cassette tapes. And I listened to him in the car and uh, the speaker was Jim Rohn. And he had such an impactful influence on, on me professionally. And a lot of his philosophy is, you know, work harder on yourself than you do on your job. I, I just took all of those lessons to heart. And in those days, I sat down to write. It wasn't because I was a longtime experienced teacher, but I felt like I had something to say. And one of the messages I'll always try to spread is everybody's got something to say but most people are inhibited to say it. I took the lessons from my mom and I decided, well, I'm gonna just do it. It doesn't matter that I'm not walking around with years and years of credentials of teaching. Um, I'm gonna just just write my manifesto. And it was the single best and most important thing I ever did in my career because it set me up for everything that I do, everything, every way that I taught was developed in that writing process. And it took several weeks, probably months, and I had this large manuscript, and then it sort of sat in obscurity on my hard drive for years. I printed a couple of copies out, but that was really about it. During the last couple of years, I was compelled to pull that book off the shelf. And as many things have happened over the last couple of years for many people, uh, changes started to occur. And uh, so I, I started to rewrite it. And uh, I started to look at the pages. And my intention originally was to simply rewrite it and update a few of the paragraphs. But it turned out that there was just far more I guess that's what happens when you have a career of almost 30 years of teaching. You you learn a couple of things. <laughs> and I decided I would take that book and more than just rewrite it or quote from it, but actually rewrite a whole new book 
And there are several quotes from that original writing. In fact, in the first chapter, one of the most important quotes of the whole book, I think, is in the first chapter, which refers to why I teach. And I, I, mm. I wrote that in the 90s. I think that's something that I would encourage everybody to do is, is don't just think, you know, why you teach, but write it down. And there's clarity that comes from the writing process. And so that's what I did. And and it took a few months uh, and uh, I, I completed the book. And I just I'll always say I just kept writing until I had nothing left to say. <laughs> Tim, in your years of teaching since originally developing your manifesto and your why of teaching, has that why shifted or changed significantly? Has it shifted or changed gradually? Or have you found a why that really is coming into focus now as you bring all of the different ways that you create and reach kids in different ways? I think it has shifted. I mean, things will naturally do so over the years, but I don't think it's shifted radically. I think it's evolved and it's become stronger and fitter. I would say my why for teaching has always been approach each course with this thought in mind that whatever the students were expecting, make it completely different. We know full well how kids sometimes think about school. We know what they expect. There's a, there's a certain level of expectation in a school setting. Give them something completely different. Blow them out of the water and say it at the beginning of the course and commit to them that this is going to be different. And uh, it's, it's what I did going way back, way back in my first year of teaching. I was a, a TOC, called them subs back in those days. I would go into the classroom and I'd always look at the desk. And there'd be a set of notes and here's what I'd like you to teach and cover or assign or whatever. But I would always think, well, these, these kids, here's an opportunity to talk to a different adult. Mm-hmm. And I'm just a young guy at the time, you know, but still I, I had some things to say. And I say, what do you guys want to learn about? What have you been learning about? And, and then I listen to them and I think, well, that's interesting. I, you know, I got a couple of thoughts on that. Let me, let's talk about this a little bit. And let me describe to you what I know about that topic. There's always this interesting response that they're kind of leaning in, like, this is kind of interesting. What else do you know about that? And I would hear these comments all the time, like, when are you coming back? <laughs> we want to learn more about this. When's your teacher going to be sick again? <laughs> and I could tell right then what they were receiving isn't what they really wanted and maybe even needed. And I decided that that's how I would run my career, that when I got a classroom, it would not be about what I wanted to teach them, sometimes not even what I was prescribed to teach them, but what did they want to be taught? That's how I've run my courses all my career. So that has evolved, but it, it started that way. It's just sort of evolved in a, in a natural way over the years. You're describing a cycle of observing what's going on around you, taking note of the everyday moments, distilling a sense of the excellence around you, drawing inspiration from these everyday contacts, and then helping others to pursue their passions. It seems to me that you use the classroom as a launch pad to elevate kids in your presence towards greater and greater things. Tell me about that. I do encourage kids to seek out their passions, but I think more so these days, I'm asking them to seek out their talents and to really pursue what they're good at and utilize them to the best of their ability. In my science class, if there's a, an assignment that they can best express their understanding through art, I encourage them, well, then draw me your understanding. And if they like to entertain, then make me a, a audio recording or a video. Um, and do you want to come up in the front of the classroom and teach? And some kids love to do that. Some kids hate to do that. So the kids who hate to do it, I'm not going to force you to do it. But if you love to, I'm going to give you the stage. 
There's no question that I try to do that, but mostly I try to do it through example. One of the words I hear people use to describe what I do in, in the classroom a fair bit is, you're always so passionate. And maybe I am. Maybe that's my personality, uh, but maybe it's because I've found things and I've gone after things that I really find interesting. You know, I'm not particularly passionate about woodworking because I'm not very good at it. And I've never really wanted to be good at it, but I'm passionate about other things. So when you find that thing, I really go hard after it and it comes out. And I can see that in the students as well when, when they're encouraged to pursue the things that they're passionate about or that they're talented at. And so that's how I kind of encourage kids to do their best in the class. There's a very powerful analogy in your book where you liken the work of an educator to a farmer who every spring holds a picture in his or her mind of the harvest. You describe your craft as holding a picture in your mind of each student's possibilities. How are you intentional about revealing those possibilities to the students in your care? The number one thing kids need is a sense of connection. I'm very intentional about that. As an example, if there's a student who we all have taught, the one who is often disengaged, misses two or three classes in a row without any particular reason, comes to class late or leaves early, those are the people that I'll intentionally go up to and say, you know, I just, I'm happy that you're here. I'd like it if you'd be here more often, but I'm glad that you're here right now. And I think as soon as they start to feel that sense of worth, they start to listen a little bit more deeply. And then when I think of their future, I do think of them in such a way as this person who might be struggling with attendance or struggling with uh, focus or dedication to their own education. I know that right now they're only 14 or 15 years old. And I know that when they're 30, they'll have grown out of that. I don't see them as they are right now and say, you're, you're such and such a person because of the way you attend my class. So I always am looking at them in the future, not judging them for what they are presently. And I think that makes a big difference in the culture of the classroom. I just look at them and think, I'm going to just accept you for what you are right now. But I hope that in 10 years, you come back and talk to me and tell me how you've improved. I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> it sounds like you've become intentional as well about caring about the right things making time in your day or making time for others for unexpected opportunities that may or may not align with a lesson plan in front of you or a curriculum guide on the shelf, but responsiveness to the needs right in front of you day after day. Can you talk with me about that? I worry sometimes when I, when I do promote that particular message, that message, I, it probably came out loud and clear in my book, for example. And there will be teachers around Canada and the U.S. and other places in the world where there's many more restrictions, boundaries, and requirements within the job to meet certain requirements, standards, and test scores, and things like that. And I'm very privileged to live in a place where I have great freedom to teach as I see best fit. But I would always say, despite the restrictions, look for ways to draw out of the curriculum the elements that will have lasting value and mean something 10 years from now. I want what I do for these kids to be memorable. And the best way for me to do that is to give them an experience that starts first with just feeling good in the classroom, just feeling accepted and appreciated for who they are and where they are in life. But once I've got that set up, I can teach them things that, and, and, and it's my ultimate goal that I'll teach them things that will be memorable. 
Tim, when you talked about the freedom that you've had to shape life within the school, within the classroom, you describe how you leveraged a childhood fascination with space and space exploration into designing a high school course in astronomy. Why astronomy? And how can astronomy help us answer some of the big questions that impact us here on planet Earth? Why astronomy is simply because if you look at all the sciences, space is the one that makes the news most often. It's probably the one that people spend most of their time with. My entire curriculum comes out to shine in all its glory every night. <laughs> I watch the sunset and then watch the stars arise. And the stars conjure up all kinds of questions about mm. how far and how many and how big and how old and how long. And, and these sort of almost philosophical questions that forces a person to think and uh, to introspect. Space is a topic that students all over the world love to learn, and, and I think adults as well. And so I leveraged that, and I turned it into a course because I knew that students would find it interesting. And through astronomy, I can teach chemistry. Stars are the birthplace of all the elements of the periodic table. I, I'll teach them all that. The planets perhaps harbor life. Well, that's a study of astrobiology. I'll, I'll teach them that. And of course, physics is a natural fit. So all of the sciences are really birthed out of astronomy. In fact, the entire scientific revolution, if you looked it up on Wikipedia, the first two names that come up are astronomers, Nicholas Copernicus and Galileo. So why is this not front and center? And I'm telling you, teachers across the world, kids love space. And they, they rush to class to learn more. So I, so I teach it. It makes my job easier. <laughs> Tim, through astronomy, you're leading kids and communities back to big questions about sustainability, stewardship, protecting the planet. You've written that in addition to knowing your what and your who, it's also important to know the things that break your heart. And you leverage that heartbroken sense of environmental decay into a stunning TED Talk and a plea to rally around climate change and environmental improvement. Tell us about how you're shifting that sense of heartbreak into hope through that work as an environmental steward. Well, it drives me. The heartbreak drives me. And what I worry is that the messaging of uh, the environmental movement has largely centered around what, what is the individual going to do? And they're kind of putting the emphasis on the person. And if, if I'm a young person looking at the future of plastic pollution and the future of carbon dioxide and rising temperatures and glaciers melting and superstorms and atmospheric rivers. I mean, I just think, oh my gosh, this is the apocalypse and this it's over. Like what what you know, you, you look at Greta Thunberg who who says, I don't even need to go to school. There's no future. And I think that's an extreme case. But you, we've got to leave them with a sense of hope uh, and control. Con hope comes from control. Do I have an element of control over this? Well I think the control starts with an understanding and education. In that TED Talk, I highlighted the fact that when Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed on the moon in 1969, ground control was staffed by a group of engineers and technicians whose average age was 28. Twelve years prior to 1969 was 1957. And that was the year that Sputnik went out. And Sputnik changed the course of education. They turned to the school system to educate the young people because they knew that the challenge was now that the Russians beat us to space. Those engineers who were 28 in 1969 were in grade 11 in 1957. In the, those 12 years, those kids got the education they needed to eventually put, a, put these two men on the moon. 
I think it's an example, maybe the best example, where a great global challenge existed and the solution was school and education. And they were successful. Now, why are we not looking at the current climate challenge as an education issue? And so I bring that up all the time. It, it, I'm, I'm known for that. And I'm very careful. I have to admit, I'm very careful because I don't want to come across as an alarmist or, oh my gosh, here he goes again about climate change. I'm very careful about that particular thing. And so I teach them the things that, that will uh, help them understand. Uh, highlight some of the issues that are going on, and then always, always provide them with solutions and ways that they can be involved and they can make a difference. I'm a senior chemistry teacher as well, but I I don't spend all of my time working on textbook style questions. But I'll tell you what chemistry I spend my time on: atmospheric chemistry, like chemistry of combustion, and the chemistry of energy and electrochemistry. I'll spend a lot of time on ocean acidification. You know, five out of every 10 breaths you take is oxygen that's come out of the ocean. I think we should know about the chemistry of the ocean. These are the chemistries that I'll spend a lot of time on. And they fit in the curriculum. They do. But it's meaningful. And it's memorable. And it has lasting value and impact. And if I want to see this planet perpetuate into the next generation and beyond, we're going to need young people to be educated in the science of the chemistry of the planet. And so these kids walk away going, okay, I know there's a problem. I know how to fix it. But I also know there's a lot of people doing big work. And I'm glad of that. Maybe one day I'll join them. Tim, in your book, you described the butterfly effect, how you live it and champion it. I'm wondering, in your wildest dreams, what hurricanes might you be starting on the other side of the world as a result of what you're doing in your classroom today? The quote, wildest dreams, is probably appropriate. But you got to have wild dreams to affect change. And my wildest dream is that hurricanes are being started because of the work of students who have passed through my classroom. And I think there's been some examples where that's starting to happen. I love the opportunity through the advent of social media to continue to be in contact with students who have moved on years after graduation and they get in touch with me and they tell me what they're doing and they'll often thank me for that. And, and look, I, I am not the only teacher in the world who has, of course, this is the goal of every teacher that somebody would come back and say, you know, thanks for what you did for me. Isn't that the goal of teaching is that you're doing something that has an impact, it, it, whether it's changing the world or changing a person's life. And, and by, by, change, by saying changing a life, I mean, they're happy. You know, they're doing something they find meaningful. They're enjoying the opportunity to share what they've learned over the years. That's success. But it is true. In, in the book early on, I said, how many hurricanes are you starting around the world, my dear butterflies? I don't think we can expect I don't think we can predict, but we can hope in our wildest dreams that what we're doing will have that effect. If we aren't even hoping in our wildest dreams for that, then I guarantee you it won't happen. So I, I try to hope in my wildest dreams. Tim, I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today. In addition to your book, Beyond the Classroom, and your podcast, Science360, how else can listeners get in touch and stay in touch with you? 
Well, I think the best way is, is through Twitter. I, I just love the Twitterverse and the connections that are available. Uh, my Twitter handle is Astro Stevenson, as is my website, astrostevenson.ca. And certainly if there's anyone who uh, clicks on YouTube, I've put together a YouTube channel called Science360 as well that just has resources. It's, it's got over 60 videos now, just resources that teachers could click on and go, okay, I, that's, I'm going to learn that. That's good. Thank you. I'm going to go back to my classroom now and I'm going to teach what I just heard you say. That's that's helpful. And that's the whole point of the, it's a free resource that people can just click on and gather information to go back into their classroom and teach something about space. There's all, also a lot of environmental stuff on there. Well, you know, my two passion areas, I get on video and I talk about them. <laughs> and I, then I hope in my wildest dreams that someone will listen and say, that's helpful. I'm going to use that in my classroom. So thank you. Tim Stevenson, thank you for spending time with me and with our listeners. Thank you for the gifts that you're sharing and thank you for the gifts that you're revealing in the young people around you. Thanks again for being on the Good News, Brad News podcast. And thank you very much for having me on. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Good News, Brad News podcast. Please like, subscribe and leave a comment wherever you found this podcast. And if you like what you heard, please recommend good news, Brad news to a friend. And please hit me up on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me at Brad, B-R-A-D underscore Hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S. I look forward to hearing from you and to reconnecting with you on our next episode. Until then, get out there and do amazing things. proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode.